Welcome to The Sound of Young America. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. You know, I have been friends with the sketch comedy group Casper Hauser for many years now. They've contributed uh, podcasts to our website, MaximumFun.org. Uh, I've loved all three of their books. I've seen their live shows many times. I think they're some of the funniest people in America. I'm very proud to know them. And it occurred to me recently, um, after they put out the, the most recent two of their books, that they hadn't been on The Sound of Young America except as uh, sketch comedy performers in um, many years, like six or seven years, since the very early days of The Sound of Young America, back back when I was in college in Santa Cruz. So I invited them to come do a special episode of The Sound of Young America with some of the comedy that they produced for the show and for the Casper Hauser Comedy Podcast and some discussion about their long career. So we all headed into the studios of KALW in San Francisco, right there at Philip Burton High School. It's literally in the high school. It isn't even like a building on the campus of the high school. Uh, we recorded this in a sort of portable shack recording studio inside what appeared to be a French classroom. Anyway, my conversation and a special program with Casper Hauser. But before we get to my conversation with them, let's go to the news. With your News 6 update, I'm Tom Donkley. Our top story tonight, the future has come early for one San Francisco man. He's got a computer chip in his brain. Last Saturday, Mark Manfield crashed his Honda Civic into the display window of the Apple Store downtown. Authorities say alcohol was involved. And dentists are reeling at the revelation today that the standard tooth names used throughout their industry are wrong. That's right, molars should be called gatekeeper teeth. And the teeth known up until now as bicuspids actually should be called mouth hole fences. And can a children's party drug actually help truck drivers? Probably, say UCSF researchers building on previous studies that show children with bad diets and bad parenting get better grades while taking speed. In this study, monkey drivers on Ritalin actually drove trucks until they died. And Fremont's Darren and Danielle Robertson will attempt to be the first Siamese twins to climb Yosemite's Half Dome. Funeral services are scheduled for next Friday. And can cancer have feet? Hope not. Hope so, says Dr. Irwin Chan. If cancer had feet, we could cut them off and study them, says the area oncologist. Better to study the cancer's feet, says Chan, than get the body of the cancer mad. And a blind Richmond man is suing Alameda County for denial of access to public facilities after the man was prevented from entering a public library with his guide dog, Adolf Hitler the King. Officials said that that dog's name was inflammatory and that the dog could be called something peaceful, like Gandhi or the Gandhi dog. But this caused an uproar and the library was burned. And it may not be curtains yet for a litter of kittens in Pinole. If a Bay Area nun has her way, she would have the furry little demons baptized and used as rosary rats. Sister Franchetta Des Moines believes that the six kittens can lead a productive existence taped to a nativity Jesus. And finally, the term wolf has been stricken from the phrase Peter and the wolf by the California Supreme Court. In a 5-4 decision, the court found the phrase unconstitutional, since the wolf could be a man, and if Peter were only separated from him by one word, the two could fall in love and try to have a gay marriage. Join us tonight as we show you a new food craze that's sweeping San Francisco. It's called Shushi. With your News 6 update, I'm Tom Donkley. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests on the program are old friends of the show, the Casper Hauser 
comedy group uh, based in San Francisco, unlike most successful sketch comedy groups. Uh, these four guys, three of whom are with us today, are the authors of three books. Um, you may have seen them on uh, Comedy Central or elsewhere in sketch comedy festivals around the country at the Edinburgh Fringe. Rob Bedecker, uh, James Richmond, Dan Klein, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jesse. So the three of you guys met in school or immediately after school? The truth is we met at a camp, a uh, summer camp up in Lake Tahoe. And we were all um, counselors, you know, at a family camp. <laughs> and here is where the story gets interesting. <laughs> um, and we all worked at the same summer camp together, and there was a Friday talent show. And most of the material that we're doing today, we wrote then in nineteen uh, in the early 90s. <laughs> how, how old were you guys at that point? I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, 19 to 22. Yeah, early, late, late teens, early 20s. Did you have aspirations to a professional comedy career? Um, shortly after we graduated, a couple of us decided we did want to pursue comedy seriously. So we moved to the mecca of comedy, uh, Palo Alto. And got, <laughs> got a damn apartment. It's like, we, and we never even went to the city. There was this incredible scene right then in the city. Never even. The city of San Francisco. That's right. That's right. The Holy City Zoo and all that stuff was happening then, early 90s. Lenny we Bruce, like, Mort Saul. Mm. And, and meanwhile, we're like, you know, there's an open mic thing at the Caribbean restaurant on El Camino Real. Um, couldn't have gone about it in a worse way. That's when we first discovered the, the Casper Hauser name, though. And then we all sort of went our separate ways. Well, that was Dan and I originally. And we sort of went our separate ways. And then we all ended up back in the Bay Area right around 2000. And in October of 2000, we formed Casper Hauser and um, just been doing it ever since. What, what, was the, what was the impetus to uh, reform the group in 2000? Was it just finding yourselves in, in the same place? I, I think it was sort of burning, searing regret on, <laughs> on James's part and not really, really pursuing it. So he finished medical school and then rallied people around him to do comedy. You guys all have these uh, advanced degrees. It's a very un- Speaking of things that are unusual in a sketch comedy group, James, you went to medical school. Rob, you've got a, a master's degree in English, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, think of those things as being similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, they are. In the, in they the, are both advanced well, degrees, are, and you can't take that away a from me. Diagram of advanced degrees, sure, uh-huh. but, uh, but Dan is the only one here who, who's still working on his advanced degree. Work in progress. What was it like for you, James, uh, going to medical school and having this other secret desire? I mean, going to medical school is like such a crazily intense thing. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, like, I've looked for these kind of, um, I, I was always super averse to these, the Patch Adams kind of, I never wanted to mix the two careers at all. Um, but these moments that I had in medical school were like, almost painfully the opposite. I, I would be thinking there'd be this sort of Pat Jam Adams moment where your humor could be this great teaching moment. I remember once I, I, I was in the ICU rounds as a, a as a medical student, and I was in there, and I don't know what it is about my face 
being, I don't know, kind of rubbery or uh, monkey-like or something like that. I'm standing there, didn't make any face or anything. I'm standing there with the group, and the woman looks at me, and she's she's on a ventilator, and she just starts to laugh on the vent, which is a really painful thing. She's called bucking the vent, you know, like she's like laughing against this ventilator, and she's putting her hand on her face, and she just points for me to get out of the room. So there was my one, and the <laughs> the other time is I was, I, I uh, a client. Uh, uh, a patient had had was a chronic pain patient and and um, and I said how was your weekend and he said um, um, well so and so came in and he had bought an ice cream cone and the ice and the ice cream fell out of the cone and landed on the floor and I just started to laugh and laugh and laugh and it just made my jaw hurt so bad so much worse and I was like oh great you know so like it was just the reverse of these these Patch Adams moments that I wanted you know. Of that first material that you wrote for that first show, um, is there any of it that that you still do in your act today? Yeah, Spicy Ponyhead was the very first sketch we wrote. Um, James came over after one of his rounds. What do you call it? Oh, uh, ben, a bender. <laughs> oh, a, bender, oh, oh, a patient oh, work, bender yeah. where you're where you're treating people. Work bender. Um, and we wrote that like in my kitchen. That was the very first one. Are and you sure that was the first one? Oh, you- yeah. Wow. Whose idea was Spicy Pony had? Do you remember? James had that phrase in his mind. I think he had uh, passed by. A- I was walking to Hun Yen, the uh, the Vietnamese restaurant that's over on oh, Harrison or Bryant or something like that. It might have a different name now. And I was just walking there, and I just told my friends that I was walking with that I was going to order Spicy Pony Head. Um, and I always had that phrase in my head. Did, did they laugh when you said that? <laughs> no, no. It was very hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a killer. It was a wrecking ball. And, yeah. Let's hear Spicy Ponyhead. You are ready to it? I am, but I have a question about one thing on the menu. What is Spicy Ponyhead? It is a pony head, but uh, spicy. Imagine a pony uh, without the body. I know what a pony is. I just uh... Spicy is uh, making your mouth on a fire. I know what spicy is, too. It's just when I see a pack animal on the menu in a fancy restaurant. It is a lot of food. Eh? We have also a demi pony head. This is a one half pony. No, I, I don't want a demi pony head. I, I don't want any pony head. I try not to eat things that I would ride at the fair. Oh, so you would not eat a monkey? I, I wouldn't ride a monkey at the... Okay, touche. Just, you know what, bring me a flank steak, medium rare, side salad, blue cheese, okay? A spicy ponyhead flank steak, uh, salad, blue cheese. No, what did you just say? Cheese. No, before that. Blue. No, you said spicy ponyhead. Are all of your steaks ponyhead meat? It's not all of the steaks. It just depends on what the fisherman's brings. Oh, okay. It's it's a seafood, like like a pony fish or, or a seahorse. Pony is not a, a seahorse. A pony is a big, beautiful baby with a long, a silky tail. You chop the head off. Spice. A pony. Pony, as you see in the field, in a cave, making love to your wife. A pony. Okay. You know what? I don't have a lot of time. Can you just... Bring me a vegetable soup. There's no pony head in your vegetable soup. There is no pony in the soup. What do you mean? The pony is very near to the soup as if he's uh, drinking a beautiful fountain. Like a pony head garnish? Okay. I don't... 
Okay, just bring me a salad, okay? There's no pony head in the salad. There's no pony head trying to eat the salad. How can this pony eat a salad? The, the salad is inside the pony head. Why? If we did not put the salad in the pony head, how will it not be on the floor? Put it on a plate. I ask a plate. If not, uh, spicy pony head. What about a bowl? No. Why? I do not know what this is. A bowl. A bowl. A bowl. A bowl. A bowl. Why bowl. are you doing this? Why are you doing this? A bowl. It's round like a helmet. A helmet. Huh. A helmet. Perhaps also we put your wine in a boot. Good night. That was Spicy Ponyhead, the first sketch that my guests, the Casper Hauser Comedy Group, ever wrote. Casper Hauser have two brand new books, Weddings of the Times and Obama's Blackberry. Plenty more comedy from them after a break. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's the sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests on the show are three of the members of the sketch comedy group, Casper Hauser, uh, Rob Bedecker, James Richmouth, and Dan Klein. They have two new books out, Weddings of the Times and Obama's Blackberry, their second and third books. Um, let's play another sketch. Um, this is Fake-A-Wish. <laughs> Welcome, campers. You know why you're here? Each of you pretended to have a terminal illness in order to get into the Make-A-Wish program. Well, you got caught. So welcome to the California Youth Authority's Make-A-Wish camp. Each of you stole a dream from a legitimately sick little individual and in so doing, took a dream away from he or her, whatever the name may be, Timmy Tuba, or surely whatever. How does it feel to meet Barry Bonds? How does it feel to go on a legitimate Norwegian whaling ship knowing that you didn't have epilepsy, you didn't have melatonin, and you didn't have Herman Gehring's disease? Now every year, Make-A-Wish and Make-A-Wish Canada give away over 200 last time fun things to children who are on the stairway to heaven. There are 30 graduates of Fake-A-Wish camp. There used to be 32, but it turns out two of them weren't actually faking. R.I.P. Mea culpa. I wish I'd listened to him sooner. 
but we've asked several of them to come back here and act as your counselors. They'll introduce themselves by their name, the disease they faked, and the dream they stole. Hi, I'm Phil Hoganson. I fake non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, got the symptoms off the internet. Uh, I got to fly a F-18 fighter jet with the Blue Angels. Son of a bitch! Uh, my name's Dane Cloris. I faked osteomyelitis. That's an infection of the bone. Got to veto a bill in Congress. Oh, shoot. Hi, I'm Peter Blacksimo. I'm a double faker. 1998, I faked sickle cell anemia and got to work in the pit crew of the Talladega 500. And in 2000, I faked pancreatitis and got to understudy Simba in the Spanish-speaking Lion King. Oh, that's real nice. Hi, my name's Roger O'Hallaha. I faked a thing called malignant carcinogena. Doesn't actually exist. I got to spend a week on a ranch with Nick Nolte. Janet Varney, lupus, ice capades. Hi, my name's Jeremy Valvishandy. I got to feed real jam to a real panda bear. Disease. Blabosimosis. Thank you. My name's Ben Carter. Uh, I faked Epstein-Barr. I got to do coke with an NBA player and a couple of hookers. The hell you did. Tell them what you really got. I got to name a tropical storm. Which is also pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, these are your counselors. As you know, we have several traditions up here at Fake-A-Wish. Uh, every year we try and stamp out one fake illness serambolically. Last year we stamped out fake tuberculosis in the form of a donkey pintata. This year we will drive the Camp Dune buggy into a log pile representing globliomlemlia. Moms come back in 10 days, we'll have them straightened right out. Everyone else, follow me to the tar pits for the trust fall. That was the comedy sketch Fake a Wish from the Casper Hauser Comedy Podcast. My guests are the San Francisco comedy troupe Casper Hauser. Tell me a little bit about your um, process. How do you develop a, a sketch like that? Fake-A-Wish came from another sketch, actually. We had a, an early sketch called Trevor, which was about a potty-mouthed kid uh, who was always ruining his mom's dates. Uh, he would sit in the back of the van and just get horribly filthy. And we thought that he was going to con his way into the Make-A-Wish program. While he it, was in a Blue Angel. He, the, his mom and a general are on the ground watching him. He's way up in a jet plane in an F-18 flying around, and the general just says, it's just so great to see a kid, you know, kind of living his last wish like this. And she goes, <laughs> what? What did he tell you? And then we kind of realized that that was the way to go, is just to have basically uh, all of these people who had conned their way into the Make-A-Wish program. And that actually is a very, very common um, method for us. Tell me a little bit about how you actually write these. I mean, uh, for example, I, I just had the state on the show, um, and they were they're an eleven member group, and they would all bring in sketches and vote on them in this kind of intensely competitive but also intensely cooperative collaborative process. Like they would literally like show of hands, seven votes gets on the show, but you guys write all your sketches together pretty much, right? Yeah, we we do have a sort of a voting process more when we're working on the books um, because there's it's just such so much volume we kind of have to get through things that way. But when it sketches, 
you know, oftentimes someone will come in with a draft. Maybe we'll brainstorm some premises and someone will, someone will work on a draft. They'll bring it in and it'll get sort of torn apart and then, and completely reworked with all four people sitting in the room. If anyone's out of the room when that happens, they'll just come back in and just kind of say no and then it doesn't get on. Dan, I want to ask you about uh, this monologue that you do and this mm-hmm. character called Blaine Cardoza, mm-hmm. who actually showed up in your first book, Sky Mall. Yeah. Where does this character come from? So I get to do some uh, work that is sort of in his world. Like I, I, um, I'm not a motivational speaker, but I'll lead workshops, and some of the people that I work with kind of are these motivational speakers, and I have moments where I feel like I can do that. So uh, actually this character came up um, – I started sort of doing a, a, a bit of his voice or his tone. And then, honestly, the, the other three guys really wrote every single joke in that voice. And since then, I've sort of improvised a little bit and added some added some stuff. But that first monologue really came from, I think, them hearing the voice and, and, and putting some good lines to it. And he was like Brando, too. He put on a lot of weight for the, for, <laughs> for the uh, role. It was just... Uh, and it, uh, he's lost it since, so we're going to have to think of another role for him. A different diet for him, more like. Let's go to the tape. Here's Blaine Cardoza, author of Houston, We Have a Problatunity, and Vice President of My Own Life, recorded live at the Sheraton Inn Business Center in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, folks. Well, you all know me. I am Blaine Cardoza. I am really happy to be here. Wow. Ha- Who here is ready to set a world record for how happy they are? Huh? Who is? Yeah? Great, great. Are you ready? Who wants to set a world record for how powerful you are? Great. All right, put your hands down. Folks, my name is Blaine Cardoza, and I used to be just like you, okay? But now look at me. I'm just 18 units away from getting an online master's. I've been engaged to the same beautiful woman for the past 11 years. And I am this close to realizing my childhood dream of owning my own dolphin. All right, time to start this ride. Blaine Cardoza's three pillars to achieving world record power and happiness. The system is so easy, folks. You're going to love it. But first things first, what's a pillar? A pillar is a support. It's an idea or belief that can change your life. Pillar number one, strength. What do I mean by strength? Do I mean moral strength? No. (laughs) Do I mean strength of character? Uh-uh. I am talking about punching out a police horse. Raw, physical strength. I know I want it, Blaine. How do I get it? You get it by learning the pillars, following the steps, and smoking a little PCP. That is the Blaine Cardoza system. Okay. Pillar number two, tolerance. It doesn't matter if someone is black or white, gay or straight. They're going to try to get you. And when they do, you need tolerance to pain, okay? Pain tolerance. It's one of my favorite parts of the system, folks. little story. A friend of mine who'd been using my system for only six hours when he literally flew off a balcony onto a tractor. And do you know what he said to me? Thank you. Another story from my own life. Now, I'm no hobbit, but I do love jewelry. So what do I do? I use my system, and I pull this ring out of a French fry cooker. You can do it. It is in you. I'll just give you a little background on where this system came from. I was studying at near Stanford University in the 60s, 
and I took part in a little psychological experiment in a locked facility. They gave me PCP. What do I do? Bend the bars, get out, make a star map, catch a deer. The next day, the professor who visits me says, Blaine, we didn't give you PCP. You got the placebo. <laughs> what? Folks, that's a sugar pill. It was all up here. I had unleashed the natural PCP in my mind. That night, I created the entire system. Now, I found out later that they had, in fact, given me quite a bit of PCP, but it doesn't matter. It is still in you. You, you just have to prime the pump. You have to take a little PCP to get a little PCP, okay? That, oh, did you see that? I just got 5,000 ideas. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm gonna go backstage for a moment. And then I'm gonna come back out here and I'm gonna give you a personal demonstration of how you can use the Blaine Cardoza system to destroy all of the bullshit that is getting in my way. Hi-ya! That was Dan Klein of the comedy group Casper Hauser as Blaine Cardoza. They perform on stage and screen, but they also write books. Their first book was called Sky Mall, Happy Crap You Can Buy From a Plane. How did you guys come to the decision that you should write a book? Our agent, Danielle Svetkoff, um, asked us if we had any books in mind uh, after having seen us on stage for, for a couple of years. And, uh, she said, you know what? These guys need to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should get them off stage. <laughs> uh, that's how it happened. That's, uh, that's the, the plain old tedious truth of it. Uh, and we pitched a few ideas and Sky Mall stuck. Your first book was uh, Sky Mall, as you mentioned, spelled M-A-U-L, and it's a very kind of dark uh, parody of the Sky Mall catalog. What was it about the Sky Mall catalog that you felt was um, ripe for parody? And, and also, what did you think you could do with that uh, premise that wouldn't be hackneyed? I don't mean to pick on anybody, but I remember um, – I remember that when that book came out, the publisher had just put out another book that I think they sent me a copy of or something. It was a parody of the Staples catalog called Stooples. Um, what did you think you could do that wasn't just going to be making things a pun on the word stupid? <laughs> well, it, it's a good question because the Sky Mall catalog is already so close to self-parody. But I think if there's a, a theme in our stuff, it's kind of like the uh, real or dark undercurrent of the perfect marketing sheen that, that something like SkyMall just has in, in in spades. You know, it's everything is the perfect answer to your lacking existence, and it's um, just a purchase away. And so we just sort of infused that world with some of the dysfunction of the real world. And, and, uh, and The other thing about SkyMall, too, is it was so, versus, say, like Weddings of the Times, one of our recent books, SkyMall was such a broad license to print comedy. I mean, the fact that the Blaine Cardoza monologue is in there is a testament to the fact that you could put anything, anything in that book. Um, and then in the end, it's just, especially, and this happens to comedy writers all the time, at some point, the only thing that'll get you off comically is something that's kind of... Um, a little hardcore, you know. So you have to you have to rely on your um, just comically. Though. Well, <laughs> yeah, just not sexually, just comically. I'm sexually where I'm the same. I'm the same as I was the day I started this troupe. <laughs> it was interesting because the the idea for doing the book came from flying to different 
sketch festivals and and uh, and taking the actual Sky Mall and then writing just writing new captions, not even whole captions, just sort of new names of products for the pictures that were already in there. And so, at first, we thought that's how we'll get the comedy. We'll take the actual catalog and we'll and we'll just change all the descriptions, like you know, the UV light thing turns into the face melter. And uh, <laughs> hum- James had an early one. It was just a hum- picture of a hummingbird feeder and just hummingbird poisoner, <laughs> just with the simple twist. Um, and then as we started writing, we realized that those pictures were all off limits. So we had to come at it in in some completely different ways. So we had to find usable images and then come up with new captions and new products for them. We had to. There's a picture of a parent and child in the book uh, looking at a big world map, and the child is like pointing at a place. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just captioned Nazi Grandpa Locator. Well, we took that one. That photo is modeled after a, a common Sky Mall ad, and so I was the dad, and and Dan's son Ben was the kid, and we got a big wall map and just re- replicated the photo. But also, Jesse, the thing like your question is, how do you make this not hackneyed? You know, these are standards. There's almost nothing that that we've done that that National Lampoon hasn't done in some form in the '70s, and people before them too. I mean, the the, the Sunday Times wedding announcements. That's something that pe- people do in college all the time. Cicero was parodying. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, it's all about execution. It's a lot like jazz, you know. And so the 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 thing to do is to convince people that your take on it what you add to this particular thing is great because the shell the shell is is pretty common you know and it's really what you've put inside of it like jazz in in what ways well that it's a sta- i don't know i hate jazz i'm sorry can i i'll take away the jazz it's they, no you don't don't they don't they play the same song but do different versions of it help me out Rob. okay no that was good, that was good. Yeah. can you we know. can we hear um one of the pieces from uh your new book weddings of the times yeah, so this is a wedding announcement um, um, modeled on the um, Sunday New York Times wedding announcements. Caroline Hansen and Dean Van Wick. Caroline Hansen was married to Dean Van Wick on Saturday at the Peach Tree Farm in Scarsdale, New York. The bride, 33, wore a strapless white Vera Wang wedding gown. The bridegroom, 38, wore tight-fitting purple breeches, a white silk shirt, a fox fur mantle, and a livery collar from which was suspended a diamond the size of a walnut. His wide-sleeved doublet gave emphasis to his upper body, which was accentuated with shoulder pads. Mr. Van Wick's padded codpiece was stuffed with jewels and weapons. He carried a staff made of silver and bedecked with topaz. There was obviously some kind of miscommunication, said the bride. <laughs> a lot of your, um, a lot of the pieces in the, in the Weddings of the Times are often about kind of like the dreams of weddings. Like there, so many of them are fantastical in the sense that they take place. Lit- some of them literally take place in people's minds. A lot of them are about the kind of things that people project onto weddings. I thought that was a really interesting thing because it's it, in a funny way that's sort of what the New York Times wedding announcements are like. Yeah, John Hodgman, who who wrote the foreword, said something like that. You know, these are little stories people make up about themselves. And I think that's part of the interest people have in reading them, too, is sort of transporting yourself to this magical land where a doctor and a uh, a painter are married in the Caribbean and the guests fly in on swans and uh, eat candy. One of your specialties, I think, is turning those shiny situations into weird nightmares. <laughs> and a sketch that's like that is Mundo de Perros, 
why did you want to write a sketch that was um, set in the world of Spanish language television, but not about, you know, the classic fat adult man dressed up in a diaper? Uh, Mundo de Perros was another one that just it just it came to me as a line that that's all there was no rationale for it. It was just something that was just fully formed as the as a word. I, I mean, as a line. And um, it was just it was one of those ones that just kind of writes itself. And then we just came back and workshopped it. There's jokes that have come and gone out of that particular sketch. When we first were performing it, I, I speak the least Spanish of anyone in the entire troupe. And uh, so I played the guy who doesn't speak Spanish, and um, we were careful to not really tell me what he was going to say so that I could actually react on stage. I had some idea of some of them, but not all of them. So at least initially, we we were really uh, not improvising, but ad-libbing quite a bit. Uh, and it sort of settled more over the years. Let's hear Mundo de Perros. Bienvenidos, señores y señoras. A nuestra programa Mundo de Perro. World of Dogs. Hoy tenemos un visitante muy especial, directo de la Universidad Harvard University, Dr. John Stinson. Hola, Dr. John. Uh, hello. Um, is this in Spanish? Sí. Oh, because I don't... I, well, yo hablo un poquito español, pero... Vaya, síntesis gringo. Pregunta primera importante. ¿Qué es un perro? What is a dog? Sí. Well, uh, un perro uh, es un animal. <laughs> Sí, yo lo sé, pues, pero realmente, ¿qué? ¿Qué es un perro? Uh, um, no sé. Uh, ¿No uh, sabes? Sí. No, uh, no. Es un animal con cuatro paws. Mm. How do you say long tongue? Do your best. Tonga lengua. No. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They say you, you. They say you were the biggest dog expert in the whole world. Sí, sí. Yo, yo, yo soy. Yo, sí. Okay. Otra pregunta seria, señor. He visto un tipo perro pequeño que se llama Guinea Pig. Y hace un ruido así. Sí, es un perro pequeño que dice. Que se llama Guinea. Pig. Oh, oh, okay. No, uh, guinea pig. No, is it, uh, un guinea pig no es un perro. Sí, es un perro. Oh, no. Oh, no. sí. No, no, no. Oh, sí, es un perro pequeño. No, no, no. no es un, uh, un, uh, rodenta. This is my show. Oh. Okay, this is my show. But, it, oh, okay. Otra pregunta seria, señor. He visto un foto de un, de un perro que tiene cornamenta. Cornamenta? Antlers. Oh, uh, no. Sí. Uh, no, no. Oh, sí, es cierto. He no, visto no, no. fotos. No, no, no es uh, un perro con uh, antlers. Sí hay, pues. Uh, no. Sí es el perro del, del Grinch. El Grinch que robó la Navidad. That's a cartoon. You are a cartoon. I, what? 
I'm, this is my show. Okay, I, listen. No, no, no. You listen. This isn't okay. what this I is thought. This is my show. Okay, oh, I understand. I'm dog smart. You're book dog smart. Okay. Explícame entonces un perro que tiene una botella de whisky aquí. ¿Por qué necesita alcohol to have fun? Oh, oh okay. So, um, no, uh, uh, Saint Bernard, uh, Santo Bernardo, ¿sí? Uh, es un, un perro de las montañas y, um, y uh, el alcohol uh, no es por el perro, uh, es por los hombres en, en las montañas. Eh, que, que frío. Señor, alcohol no es una medicina. Este perro necesita rehab. Okay. ¿Usted es el experto de un tipo perro que se llama pastor alemán? No, pastor alemán. Shepherd German. Oh, uh, German Shepherd, sí. Este perro es su favorito, ¿no? Sí, sí, es un magnificent uh, animal. ¿No es el perro de Hitler? No, ¿Mm? no, no. ¿He visto no. fotos? ¿No es el perro de los nazis, no, no, señor? No, 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 no. El, mm -hmm. el perro no es, sí, es el perro de los nazis. Sí, he visto fotos, señor. No, no, no. It's, no, es un animal, no tiene political, it's, no, it's not fair. You, you love these dogs and you love Hitler. What? What, what is, what is this? I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm out of here. Yeah, no, 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 señor, señor. This is a joke. This is a joke? Yeah, this is, this is your life. These are all your friends. <laughs> this is a joke? No. It's a real show and you did a bad job. Okay, I listen. Ladies and gentlemen, please join us next week for a Mundo de Perros. That was Mundo de Perros from my guest, Casper Hauser. They're online at casperhauser.com. It seems like you're often put in that role, Dan, where you're the kind of, uh, you're just looking around trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's somebody who's just, you know, so earnest and sort of kind. I mean, Dan really, really is this way. And they're just casting wise, dragging that kind of person through the mud is just money. And um, so we do it a lot. <laughs> let's hear um, uh, let's hear something that involves dragging someone through the mud who, who may well deserve it. James, you've gotten in deeply emotionally engaged in um in the baiting of email scammers that's right that's that's correct how did that how did that happen i don't remember how i how and why i did the first one. i mean I, I just like anyone else who's done it i just had something in the inbox and i wrote back and um then i started to uh, get much more engaged in it and i would write them at night they're very extemporaneous because they were emails it's not like you sat down and wrote them on paper or anything and um, because the time zone different, in the morning you get to wake up and see if there's anything in your inbox. You know, it was like a fortune cookie or something like that. Um, I quickly realized that you had to make them commit uh, to something, or else they would th their side of things would be very generic. Um, and so I started making them take oaths and things like that, <laughs> or to choose various colors or schemes that were really ridiculous, just to get them to commit to to the comedy themselves. Again, it was something we were neither the first probably nor the best to do this, but it was all about execution. Let's hear James Richmith's correspondence with a real email scammer. Here's how the scam works. We posted several large, fake, expensive items on Craigslist to attract scammers. 
we received responses from scammers saying that they'd like to purchase our item and if it were okay with us, they would send a cashier's check for more than the amount as long as we agreed to quickly send them the difference, the change, by Western Union. After people do send the change, then they find that the original cashier's check has not cleared and the scammers are never heard from again. Okay, here it goes. Remember, these are actual emails. This is Rob. I'll be reading the part of Thomas Daniel. And this is James. I'll be reading Casper Hauser's part, the part of Jock Plenary. Hello. I saw your advertisement on the web, and I decided to meet you about the purchase of your 2003 Turner bicycle. Hope to hear from you soon. Regards, Thomas Daniel. Thomas, this is the original 22-inch dropout karate bicycle. The bars are shaped like horns. I will be home tomorrow drinking Thunderbird before my trial until 3 p.m. They say I bottle hit someone slash thing. Yours, Jock Plenary, partial online master's degree. Hello, thanks for your swift response, and I am okay with the price, and I will send a check for $3,000, and it clears you will have to send the balance to my shipper in USA. Thanks. Regards. Thomas, before I send the money, what color bike do you want? It changes the price. A, green. B, seafoam. C, verdant mega panaz. Please tell me the color today so I can send the money. Miss you, Jock. Hello, Jock. Thanks for the mail, and I want the green color, so I will like you to go and send the money to the shipper now. Regards. Thomas, sorry we don't have any more green paint. Is it okay if I paint it verdant mega panaz? As soon as you pick a color, I will send the balance today. You love God, Jock. At this point, we sent $2 by Western Union to London. Now, it costs $18 to send money by Western Union, so this may have been a first. And when you send money by Western Union, you're given an MTCN control number. That's a numerical password that the person at the other end needs in order to pick up the money. The MTCN control numbers used in here are real. Thomas, I sent the balance. For security reasons, I placed the MTCN control numbers in the following sentence. Two hobbits and two fairies lives near me in the glen. The ten numbers in the sentence, in order, are the control number. I can't wait for this to be settled. In my mental mind, you have sat on my lap like a little silky terrier, Thomas. You are like a little crystal hobbit fairy in my barn. I love you. Jock. The total cost for Verdant Mega Panaz is twenty-nine ninety-eight. Hello, Jock. Are you kidding me or what? My shipper went to the bank to take the money for the pickup of the bike, and they get to know that you send only two dollars. What is going on? Thomas, I told you the total cost was twenty nine ninety eight for the verdant mega panaz color. Your business partner sent me three thousand dollars. That means the balance is two dollars. Conclusion You were being a hippie. Repeat, you were being a hippie and now you'll have to pay. I'm sorry. I trust you. You and God and I are a threesome. Jock Plenary, half marathoner. Hello, Jock. How are you doing? I will like to confirm if you have sent the money, get back to me immediately. Thomas, I cannot send the money tonight because it is midnight here, and I am in the hospital. A wino attacked my uncle at the aquarium. I will send the balance as soon as I can, hopefully tomorrow. Sincerely, Jock Plenary. Quote, please understand, the penis is not a muscle. Abraham Lincoln. Hello, Jock. Thanks for the message, and I am very sorry for the condition of your uncle. And I think he will get better by God grace. And I will like to tell you go as soon as possible to send the money. Regards. Dear Thomas, thank you for bequeathing a special blessing all up into my uncle. 
He is very injured, and the doctors say he is still too horny to operate. Why did I even go to the aquarium? I have sent a photo of Uncle Gabriel and his doctor, who has asked me to go horseback riding. I will send the balance if I can get out of the hospital today. Help me, Obi-Wan. Jock Plenary. Hello, Jock. How are you doing? Hope things are all right. I am here waiting for your urgent response, and I will like to confirm if you have sent the money. Thanks. Regards. Thomas, I am still at the hospital. Bad news. My uncle's condition has been downgraded from very fine to F-. minus. Should I send my grandma's boyfriend, Pampa, to send the money? You're my best friend. Jock. Hello, Jock. How are you doing? Well, your uncle will be all right. I am here praying for his health, and I will like you to send your grandma's boyfriend to send the money as soon as possible. Regards. Thomas, thanks for your kind words about Uncle Gabriel. He's just starting to say fuck, so that's good. I'm so mad at aquariums and winos. Trust me, the money will arrive soon. I can't wait to be in your arms again. Jock Plenary. I am here waiting for your urgent response and the MTCN control number. Thomas, Pompa sent the money. I will hide the MTCN control number in the following sentence. R2-D2 and C-3PO went to a rave and got stoned and laid. Hello, Jock. Please do not encode the control number because I don't understand. The control number you sent was 13 numbers and it have to be 10 numbers. Thomas, R2-D2 and C-3PO are robot names, not part of the code. Repeat, they are robots of Star Wars. Do not use the numbers from any names of robots in the code. Repeat. Bang the drum slowly. Jock Plenary. P.S. Uncle Gabriel is feeling better. He got a tube salad through his nose. That was the comedy group Casper Hauser's Real Correspondence with Real Email Scammers. We'll talk about their new book, Obama's Blackberry, in just a minute. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are three of the members of the comedy group Casper Hauser. Uh, they've got two new books. Uh, one of them is Weddings of the Times. The other is Obama's Blackberry. You guys have been working on Weddings of the Times for a long time, um, but Obama's Blackberry is something that came together really quickly. And topical humor is something that uh, you guys had basically not done previously. How did the idea for uh, Obama's Blackberry come together? That came from uh, our literary agency. They uh, called us up and said, how about doing a book with this title? And we said, all right, we'll, we'll try that, and wrote the proposal and had the assignment and a deadline the next week. What was exciting about this topic for you? As a group who uh, had never done topical comedy, and in fact, the book is 
uh, given the title of the book, it is the least topical take you could possibly have <laughs> on that subject. Well, you're, you're, you're hitting on one of the real challenges for us in, in writing this book because, as you say, it's not a, it's not an area we gravitate toward, you know, pop culture, topical political stuff for several reasons, but we were trying to not let this book write itself. Um, and to find sort of quirky, interesting little wormholes that weren't weren't necessarily just um, you know catch catchphrases or po- or or popular topical terms that you could say um, that would just evoke. Uh, I'm getting tangled up in the sentence here, but you understand what I mean. Um, not to not to simply um, press the easy buttons, and so we try to take recognizable characters and then invent strange little narratives for them. You have a, a little exchange there between Obama and, and Vice President Joe Biden, right? Yeah, here's one. Uh, it's a text exchange between Joe Biden and Obama, and their their usernames uh, are Biden My Time for Joe Biden, and uh, and Barack is Baracko. So Biden My Time says, hey you, what you doing? Baracko, am really busy with Joint Chiefs, Biden My Time, need me? Baracko, got it covered. Keep working on your pet project. Biden my time. Puppy? <laughs> Barack, universal health care. Biden, right. Can I leave at 445? Barack, <laughs> don't care. Biden, how does MySpace work? Barack, <laughs> not now. Ask Malia. <laughs> you create these fantasy world versions of these people, and I mean, there's—it's it, it, not just—it's uh, not just Joe Biden, although perhaps Joe Biden is the most fanciful one. Um, you, you know, know he, he, his office got upset at us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Wall Street Journal did a, did a story on the book, and uh, the reporter talked to Joe Biden's spokesperson, who was just adamant that that this was a um, not a good comic caricature of the vice president and he went to great lengths to explain how busy Biden was. <laughs> so we were happy that they took the time. Not too, not too busy to respond to our parody. <laughs> We've got another um, new sketch here or, or at least new to our, um, to our listeners, even folks who subscribe to your podcast. Um, this is this uh, beekeeper sketch. This is this is a sketch you guys have been doing on stage for a little while. Tell me where it came from. Well, this is another one that the premise started in a, at least a slightly different place. We wanted to write jokes about beekeepers, the beekeeper convention, and then we thought maybe during the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's actually it's actually a really good historical sketch with lots of layers and nuance, <laughs> but it, it was just a little too bogged down, and then we, we upped the stakes a bit. <clears throat> good morning. <clears throat> good morning. Um... Beekeepers, uh, please uh, uh, find a seat. Wow, the Ramada Inn sure had has outdone themselves this morning. I had the apple, uh, the chi- the apple, uh, the chicken, uh, the sausage. Um, well, the American Beekeepers Association has done a wonderful job this week in its 124th uh, annual convention. And folks, the fun's not over yet. I had a wonderful week uh, by a round of applause. Uh, who attended the luau last night? Uh, good, uh, good for you. I uh, was not able to stay up, but I did hear that you all saw a, uh, a dead killer whale. Um, folks, I attended some wonderful uh, uh, talks and lectures this week. I attended Ken Bernstein's and uh, keeping bees, keeping your marriage together. Uh, though uh, 
It would have come in a lot handier uh, about 554 days ago. Also went to that um, uh, natural remedies for soft tissue stings of the head, neck, and groin. Boy, as a young keeper, I uh, I sure had my share of, uh, of nut stingers. <laughs> Folks, uh, we've saved the best for last. Uh, sitting right behind me is Ken Spivoli. Ken invented the Spivoli Hive Warmer, uh, which allows us to keep uh, year-round up in the, um, in the Eskimo climates, if you will. And uh, we're also doing something different this year. This little eight-year-old here, this little guy, this uh, little Jaime Puyog. Uh, now, that can't be right. Uh, rather, P-O-U. It's not Puyog. Um, well, this little Jaime, uh, little uh, muchacho, uh, <clears throat> this little, uh, is going to do a talk entitled uh, Bee Puns and Bee Jokes. Uh, so uh, there's... Um, Who is the bee's favorite singer? Sting. Uh, not now, kid. Uh, um, uh, wait for... Uh, and uh, now, a man who needs no introduction, folks, giving a State of the Union of Beekeeping today, please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ken Spivelli. Beekeepers! Whoa, whoa, who turned out the lights? <laughs> Can we get the lights back on? What's going on, folks? How come it's dark outside, too? It's like noon. All right. Well, um, uh, okay, we'll, we'll get this worked out. Just sit tight for a moment. And, You're not going to believe this. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, all right, I'm getting word right now. No kidding. Uh, we have a power outage and a solar eclipse at the exact same time. Wow. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> amazing. All right, well, just hang tight, everyone, and we'll, we'll get this all worked out. Hey, yeah, yeah, there we go, a flashlight. Look at that. That's the way beekeepers work things out. It's oh, worldwide. okay. Uh, yeah, it, so it appears that it's not uh, an eclipse. Okay. Ken, why are there uh, no lights? Uh, Hang on, Dr. Puffington. Uh, it seems as if there's some sort of layer or shell surrounding the Earth and blocking out the sun. Beekeeping. Last year, today, and beyond. It's been quite a year for us beekeepers. We endured the passage of a European honey tariff. We cheered the advent of the two-stage combless hive. And we held our collective breaths as a second tracheal mite epidemic reared its ugly head. And finally, we mourn the passing of beekeeping giant Amory Fuller, the architect of modern honey theory, who succumbed to the sting of that most dangerous bee of all, prostate cancer. It's a, it's a worldwide calamity. All the ecosystems are crashing. Well, how are the bees doing? How do you think the fucking bees are now would be a good time to be a cock, a uh, cock, uh, uh, an expert in cockroaches. Did you hear about the bee who got a tumor? It was B9. Kid, Jaime, pipe down. Now, Ken, what the hell is going on here? Hey, there we go. All right, the lights are back on. That's a beekeeper spirit. Looks like things are getting back to normal. Is the sun back out? No? Okay, well, but we have the lights inside, so... <laughs> are using the term biblical. Jumping back in here, what about the next generation of beekeepers? You know, as I was coming out here on Thursday, my son said to me, Daddy, 
I want to be a beekeeper just like you. And I said, Oh, you're just saying that, Ricky, so you don't have to do 90 days rehab in Utah. My kid is a fuck-up. You cannot say that kind of language here, That's Ken. too late. Everything's going on. Um, what did the bee, bee father say to the bee son when he wanted to tell him about sex? I'm going to tell you about the now, birds Jaime, and please, us. Please shut the devil up, kid. Did you hear what bee Jesus said to bee side, Judas? Why did you betray me? Sit down, now, kid. Let's get some water going. A sketch from Casper Hauser. They're online at casperhauser.com. And there are two new books in bookstores. That's right, two brand new books are Weddings of the Times and Obama's Blackberry. So you guys just came out with your second and third books. Um, you made uh, a website for HBO and um, Ben Carlin, uh, uh, the former executive producer of The Daily Show. Um where are you going now? Are you imagining yourselves now as an actual professional comedy group? Uh, do you have any suggestions for us? <laughs> uh, I can tell you have good news for us, Jesse. <laughs> what is it? What's the surprise? We're we're going to be repatriated. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, actually, we we have a really exciting. Um, well, you know, we're we have some development stuff in the works that's kind of exciting for us to potentially work on a Casper Hauser sketch comedy TV show, and um, that's something we would like. You know, something pure, not with a gimmick. You know, um, uh, or the kind of shell that you need in in sketch in America. Just straight, good, well written sketches. He didn't say this is not in America. This is the our ideas and. On an, in another country, but we can't say which country. Chile, that's right. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the San Diego America. It's it's always so great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Jesse. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. Um, thanks. Rob Bedecker, uh, James Richmond, and Dan Klein are uh, three of the members of the Casper Hauser Comedy Group. Uh, their two new books are Weddings of the Times and Obama's Blackberry, both of which uh, will make you laugh until you cry. Um, you can find them online at casperhauser.com, K-A-S-P-E-R-H-A-U-S-E-R.com. And if you want to hear more of uh, their comedy and audio and, in some cases, video form, uh, we produce a Casper Hauser comedy podcast, uh, which you can find on our site, MaximumFun.org, or by searching in iTunes. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our editor is Nick White, and our music is provided by Dan Wally. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, and if you have thoughts about the show, you can email me at jesse at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you online, and we'll see you next week right here on The Sound of Young America. Um, you guys brought this sketch that is uh, a sort of a B-side sketch. This is for the benefit of our podcast listeners, <laughs> right. I'm guessing. I'm not going to make any presumptions about what you're, you're guessing it has some benefit. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell, tell me what this sketch is. Okay. Uh, this is a uh, this is a sketch. Should I tell you the actual premise, or let's leave that? Well, I'll, I'll, this is sort of a beast, like because I thought it would be sort of interesting to bring something that's that's really not that complete. It has some good jokes in it. Maybe we did it once at a little workshop type venue. But I thought, well, 
you know. Oh, certainly. Well, I mean, when I said you, if you guys have anything that we haven't done on the podcast or whatever, you could bring in. What I meant was, if you have something that doesn't work, mm-hmm. uh, the audience <laughs> flawed. isn't going something to enjoy flawed. something tragically Flat, flawed. flawed yeah. Jesse, this will be this will be something for your because you have you have many listeners who are writers, who are uh, c- comedians, who are uh, perhaps even sort of in the still in the aspiring category. This will help them to see that you, know, you guys aren't perfect. That's right, and that, that, that it's a diamond in the rough, and that you can get there. You, everything you do is a diamond, but some of them aren't polished. <laughs> that's right. This is <laughs> right there yet. Should we do it? Yeah. You okay. sure you don't want to be the the, the <laughs> priest? Sure, I'll be the priest. Yeah. Okay. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Uh, what is your sin, my son? I ate an eagle. Uh, a what? An eagle. What? What did you eat now? I ate an eagle. An eagle, you say? What? Well, what do you mean? An eagle. It's a giant bird. It's on the back of a quarter. Giant? Well, that's no bigger than a honeybee. Well, no, it, it might look small, but the bird is actually huge. So I'm a giant. No, no, you're, you're an, a normal-sized priest. That coin is just a representation. I see. So somewhere out there mm-hmm. is a giant quarter. No, Father, look. I ate this majestic bird and I feel terrible. Well, would it make you feel better if I told you I threw a grenade at my grandma's boyfriend? I, what, you did? Well, they weren't dating yet. They were. There were those of us who thought he was fighting for the Americans. I, I, you know, so, okay, so back to my sin. Right. Ate an eagle. Can't do that. I know. How many? Did you eat a bunch of eagles or just several? Only one. One single eagle. Let me see. I don't know. If... I think you're all right. I think that's okay. No, no, I, I checked. It, it's in the Bible. Are you sure? There's no part about eagles, really. In yeah, the... no. Leviticus 11.13 Eat not the eagle, the ossifrage, or the osprey, lest ye be smote. Oh, hell. Well, if it's up to Leviticus, none of us would have cock rings, right? Uh, us? Man, Christian men. Hey, good news. I'm going to be a nephew. <laughs> what? You, you mean an uncle? No, nephew. My grandma's having a baby. Yep. I'm going to have a little baby uncle. Named Kaiser. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, can we can we come back to my sin? I'm I'm kind of in a hurry. So you're an eagle eater, eh? <whistles> come to think of it, yeah, that may be kind of bad. Really? Yeah, of course. Eagles are holy birds, holy birds of the air. They be. You shall not eat, no sir. Well, but what's my penance? Well, probably have to. I can't believe this. My last day. <laughs> you must replace the eagle. Yes, it must replace the eagle with another eagle. Well, it was just sort of, you know, out there. How can you replace an eagle with another eagle? I mean, won't won't the new eagle just go back to where it was? Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid you're right. I mean, it's the same number of eagles. The total stays the same, even if you replace one. It's a zero-sum game. Can't make a new eagle. Not even God can do that. What? He, he can't? No, only the devil can make an eagle. She's a devil bird. I must say, I'm I'm stumped. You, you can't tell me my penance? Nope. Who should I see instead? Well, I honestly don't know. Eating an eagle is very uh, specialized. 
Surprise! It's your retirement party! It is? No, no. I, I wish I could say that. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if that were true? Yes. Stupid, 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 stupid. All right, see ya. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> That's just insanity. This is crazy nonsense. It has a, it has a certain logic. Uh.